Hope you're having a good day. Beautiful day, isn't it? On that positive note, I have a negative question to ask you. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever been homesick? Or maybe when's the last time you've been homesick? I was traveling uh, not too long ago and uh, having a great trip in a beautiful place in the mountains. And um, But halfway through the week, although I was having a good time, I, I wanted to be home. No offense to the people I was traveling with or the place I was, but I miss my family, I miss my space, I miss the kids, even the teenagers, I miss them too. Right, kids? And uh, I was uh, hoping for home. You know that feeling you get when you want to be in a place you know you belong? You want to be in a place where you have that feeling of se- security, belonging, uh, belonging. Another question for you. Have you ever been in a place where you knew you didn't belong? You know what I'm talking about, right? That, that place where you're just uneasy, insecure, even though you might be safe. We're going to start a new sermon series in John chapter 14. And we're going to just sit there for weeks And we're going to pour over the words of Jesus, some of His last words to His disciples before He went to the cross. It's that time of year, and so I think it'd be appropriate that we go through John 14. But we're going to look at what Jesus said to His disciples about His home going and their home going. Uh, So I would appreciate if you would get your eyes on a copy of the Scriptures. It will also be before you on the screen. We're just going to look at verses 1 through 3 today. The title of the talk today, This Is Not Your Home. title of the series, His Heart, Our Home. John 14 is where we'll be. Uh, Maybe in your own spare time, read through the entire chapter or the entire Gospel of John, for that matter, to have some context. Let me give you some background before I read these verses to you. Uh, Jesus is celebrating Passover in the upper room with the disciples. Uh, Before this chapter, Jesus has just washed His disciples' feet. But then He tells them that one of the twelve is going to betray Him. You recall who that disciple is? Yep, yep. And one of them is, is going to deny him. Peter, that's right. right. And, and then he tells them that he is going to die and go back to the Father. Now, he has already told the disciples this, and yet there is this shock. There is this shock, and that's for good reason. Let's pick up at verse 1 of John 14, should we? You ready? All right, most of you. All right. It's a super Sunday, but we're not there yet. We're in the most important place right here and right now. Okay, anyway. John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. Don't miss that part. I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Understand, all of what was going on would have legitimately troubled the disciples. I mean, everything they had 
become was tied to Jesus. He, he took these nobodies, and, and I mean that. He took these average, everyday people, and he made them nearly famous. Everything they had was tied to what he was doing. And now he tells them it's all over. I'm leaving, so to speak. Even though, maybe in their hearts, on some level they knew it wasn't all over. But they're confused, they're bewildered, they're troubled, as he says. Troubled. I don't know where you're at today, but, but maybe you know that frustration. You know that challenge in your life. You know that things aren't the way they're supposed to be, so to speak. For, for the disciples, they thought his religious and political career was only beginning. And, and so, keep in mind, as Jesus tells His disciples that famous night, the Last Supper, I'm going back to the Father, they are really troubled. They are really frustrating. They're really questioning what Jesus is doing and why He is doing it. Have you ever said to yourself, or maybe out loud, God, what kind of timing is this? This doesn't make a lot of sense. Like... This would not be the best way to do things. I think about it in the context of ministry sometimes. Wouldn't it have been easier if Jesus kind of died, rose again, and then just set up shop right in Jerusalem, did a TV you know, presentation every day, did some social media blasts, you know, that sort of thing. And just, I mean, he's just right there, and if you need to go see him, you can go see him. And yet, instead what he does is he goes back to the Father and he gives us the work to do. <laughs> Jesus, we will mess this up, I think the disciples are saying. What are you doing? This doesn't seem to make sense. We've all been there. We've all been in a place in which we can admit that we are saying, I don't get it, God. And what is Jesus' response to, I don't get it, God? Hear the words of Jesus to his disciples. Really, hear this. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Kind of peculiar that he says that. But it's really not. It's very intentional, as is everything he says here. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Maybe another way of saying is that don't believe in your trouble. Are we capable of believing in our troubles? Have you ever met someone who only talks about their troubles? <laughs> Have you ever been in a place where all you can think about is your troubles? Have you ever been consumed by your own troubles? That's serving your troubles. Have you ever been in a place where you've doubt God can do the work that He is doing? And you really wonder if He's doing a work at all? That's serving your troubles. Jesus said, don't believe in your troubles. Believe in me. What Jesus said, getting at here with his disciples is, don't allow trouble to lead you to a place where you doubt what you believe. And we've all been there. Don't let anyone fool you. Every believer has been at a place of doubt. In fact, it's a daily thing. We do it in our actions. 
We doubt God's very existence sometimes by the things we turn to rather than turning to Him. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't run to your troubles. Run to Me. Notice the emphasis. Jesus says, in response to don't believe in your troubles, believe in Me, I am going to a place, and if I go to that place, I will come again and receive you to Myself. He says it two times. That, 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 that's awkward seemingly in the English, but it's really intentional. For I'm going to a place, and if I go to the place. Why, why, why the emphasis? Remember the Garden of Eden? I don't mean like, were you there? I mean, like, do you remember in Genesis? Do you remember in Genesis? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, okay. Just seeing if you're here. All right. Genesis 2.8, for example. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there He put the man whom He had formed. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and He put him in the garden of Eden. We see this again. Some emphasis, Okay. He put him here, and he put him here, and he put him here, same place, but why the emphasis? It says in verse 8, And Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God placed them there. says it twice. Make sure that they're understanding what the focus is. That we would understand that focus. The, the place for which he is speaking of. God placed us there. Purposed for us. Walked with us there. Our home. Our true home. That was to be our home in which we walked with God. But what happens? What happens? We walked our own way rather than walked with God. We chose our own path rather than God's path. Jesus is about to allude to this. We'll get, it, get to it in, in, in the future, but He is talking about the way. That we went our own way and we're not following His way. He's about to get there, but we're not going to get there today. We ruined it. We walked away. And then, then we blamed someone else. In fact, we even blamed God. Oh, but God... This wasn't my fault. We're still doing that today. And the repercussions of sin is separation with God. In fact, we had to leave the garden. Let me read a little further to you. Genesis 3, 23 and 24, where it says, The Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground for which he was taken. And then we see it again in verse 24. And he drove out the man. Again we see it twice. The Lord God sent him out. The Lord God drove him out. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the truth of life. Jesus is going to allude to the way. Now, Now before we get into that, one question. Why did we have to leave? Well, the only answer could be that He would protect us from His holiness. 
That's right. God is so perfect, so righteous, so set apart. The God who dwells in unapproachable light cannot be with sin. Once sin took its course, there had to be separation. Why? For our own good. God was protecting us. It was out of His grace and love and mercy that He would do this. For He is holy. He is so set apart. He is so righteous. If we came into His presence unholy, we would, the Scriptures say, die. That is our God. That is a holiness and a righteousness and a perfection we cannot understand. And yet that is the reality And that is what is happening in the garden. Again, He drove them out. That is, He was so gracious and merciful, He pushed them out. But notice it also doesn't say He placed them somewhere else. No, mankind has been sojourning ever since that day. Adam and Eve never had a true home from here on out. And we see that in the life of many in the Old Testament and the New. Abraham left Ur and was a sojourner to the promised land. He never inherited it himself, but his family would. And yet they turned on God too. And they went their own way. And things got rough again. And eventually they were in Egypt. And Israel had to sojourn from Egypt back to the promised land. And those from Egypt never actually were able to live in the promised land. Uh, An entire generation passed as they sojourned, as, as they wandered out in the wilderness. I even think ahead to Jesus. A picture of true man. That even at two years old was a refugee to Egypt and went to Egypt for fear that the king would get a hold of him and kill him. Jesus, it says, even in the inception of his ministry in Galilee, never had a place to rest his head, never had a home, showing us a picture of true man, that this is not our place. This is not our home. We don't belong here. Now, If you know that, if you know that feeling of homesickness, understand this is nothing new and we shouldn't be surprised. And I don't mean that we don't have tastes of the joy of the Lord or the grace of God or the beauty and majesty of who He is. I was just in the mountains as I mentioned. And man, it is just incredible to look at out at God's creation and consider what He has done. Oh, it's a foretaste of what is ahead. And we have moments of that, but they're only moments, are they not? It's not, it's not forever. And that's why, we, that's why we always want more. It's why, it's why we always are driven for something more. It's why when we get to the place where we think we wanted to get and would give us the contentment that we are all longing for, we want something more. It's infuriating. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. It's frustrating all in the same way. And I'm not trying to paint a picture of this horrible life. No, we are blessed. The fact that we even have breath to take and another day or moment to live is a blessing. 
But I want us not to think that this is our home. In fact, let me go be so bold as to say, if you're a little too comfortable, something might actually be wrong. Really. For sometimes our comforts and that which we go after in this life can take precedence over kingdom. Kingdom over comfort. It's a daily struggle. Kingdom over comfort. What do I do? This is not our home. We know the feeling of not belonging. My wife and I and kids, when we moved to Bloomington from where we were interning and we took the call back here in the Minneapolis area, we were looking for homes, houses. And uh, I knew the realtor, good guy, and uh, he was uh, taking us um, uh, to, to many homes. We looked at over 50 of them. We were really picky, picky people. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it, by the way, the tactic is show them the worst house first for the lowest money and then show them the best house for the most money and they'll probably choose that one. Anyway, I know you realtors. Anyway, anyway, that has nothing to do with the point. Um, so he's, he's showing us, this is later on in the day and he's showing us a pretty decent house and it's across the street from a park and it's really a decent house and, 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 and for what we were used to, it was a mansion. And, and, and we walk in and my wife says, oh, this is great. And I said, I don't know. And, and then we keep walking and she's like, I don't know. And we keep walking and then I said to her, I don't feel comfortable here. She was a little surprised at first, but then we went into the basement. It wasn't so much the look as in this feeling. And I never had a situation like this in my life before this and never had one since, but we're walking through the basement and we both had this, this, this feeling in our spirit that we just didn't belong and that we shouldn't be there. In fact, I almost felt physically sick. No kidding. I'm not trying to be dramatic. And I know that surprised you that I'd be dramatic, but... <laughs> But I finally said, no, this isn't the place. And we went upstairs. Not, no, not more than a minute later, our realtor gets a, gets a call. And, and this is what we hear on the phone. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, yeah, I'll tell them. Okay, oh. Then he gets off the phone and does something else. We're like, what? What? What happened? And he says, well, um, I, I, I'm supposed to, I'm actually required to divulge to you that, that there was just recently a murder in the basement. Sorry, kids, but this actually really happened. This is real. And, and, and you know, what, what was that, that sense in our spirits? I, I don't know. I don't have an explanation for that outside the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Not the only house for something like that to take place in. But I do know that feeling. Like we don't belong here. Like we should leave. Like we shouldn't be here. Oh, this is not our home. What, what happened in the garden, our walking away from what God made perfectly for us so that we could walk with Him, us going our own way, oh, it destroyed that which God created for us, our true home. That place of belonging. Back to John 14. Can we go back there? Okay. 
Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, see that emphasis there, I will come again and I will take you to myself. What do you picture when you picture this house? You know what I picture? Glensheen Mansion. Ever been there? Duluth, beautiful place, incredible place. My daughter said she wants to get married there. I said, not for 40 years, but yeah, that's, you go ahead if you have the money. Sorry. <laughs> beautiful place. Victorian home, maybe. Um, long hallways, tons of rooms, that sort of thing. That, that's really not what Jesus is getting at here. And I, I mean, like, we're going to have a picture in our minds, but Jesus really isn't talking about the, the amount of rooms or what it looks like here. He's pointing them to something. He is emphasizing something here. I, I believe Jesus is emphasizing both His sincerity and the assuredness of this. That's where I'd start. Like, you don't have to wonder if this is going to happen. When I say something, it happens, right? Okay? I follow through. But what he's also saying is, I want you to be prepared. And I want you to be prepared for this place. Both, I believe, he has in mind. Notice, he doesn't say, I will come again and take you to heaven. What does he say instead? He says, I'll take you to... What does it say? I will take you to myself. What does it mean that Jesus is bringing us back to himself? And why, why this point? Well, in part, first and foremost... Jesus is reminding us that our faith and trust in Him, the Christian life, is about connection, oneness, relationship with Him. I mean, I mean that, that our religion and, and rules and traditions and rituals and, and practices, these things that sometimes we think make up the Christian life and our faith in Him, they're not the point. Relationship is the point. Notice the part that where I am, you may be also. Did you you hear that? Does that not sound like relationship there? It's almost Valentine's Day. I'd be taking my wife out for dinner, but I got a meeting here at church. It's a council meeting, so I have to go. Sorry, hon. Did you know that... Okay, anyway, sorry. I'm kidding. There's so much to that story. But anyway, it's true. We actually do have a council meeting. But anyway, if I did take my wife out for lunch, which I will do, and I enjoy doing, which we'll do probably this week. Anyway, can we put that on the schedule? Anyway, sorry. We're going to talk, and we're going to talk a lot, and I'm not going to stop talking, that's for sure. And and then we're going to get home, and we're going to keep talking. And we're going to keep hanging out. We'll probably do something else 
later, and, and, and that's why we got married. Right? Because we actually want to be with each other. Right? Like, I didn't marry her so that I could be somewhere else. I like her. And the best part is she likes me, for the most part. I'm serious. But do you ever think about that in relationship with your relationship with God? Because that's what I hear. That's what I hear. That where I am, there you may be also. Like I'm doing this for you. Like I'm, I'm going to go to the cross so that that chasm that sin has created between your sin and the holiness of the Father could be wiped out so that we could have relationship. I want to be with you. I want to hang out. I want to be face to face with you. And that is where we belong. And I'm getting kind of fired up about it because is that not where our joy lies even in this life? See, what we're going to talk about in this series as we get into it in the next couple of weeks is that where we belong is where we are secure. And that just because we belong somewhere else doesn't mean we have nothing to do here. In fact, all the more when we know where we belong, even if we're not there, that's when we really know how to live. Do do you hear what I'm saying there? First, that the point is relationship with Jesus. The second and the, the, the final point is really simplistic and yet is so profound. In part, Jesus is reminding us that what is central to our faith is Himself. What is central to church and, and what we do and, and, and how we live and where we belong and all of those things is Himself. That our righteousness and our, again, religion and our belief and our salvation, it's, it's all about Jesus. That's the goal. Not even heaven. Not, not that one day we can walk streets of gold. That's actually not the point. Not, not that we, we could fix some things in our life and move on to success. That's not the goal. The goal is Him. And that's why, church, we're going to be about Him. That's why we're going to preach Christ and Him crucified. And only Christ and Him crucified, because what we need is Him. He is not a means to an end. It's the other way around. Even though we make Him a means to an end. Even though with that addiction or that struggle, we want Him to fix this so that we can get to here. No, 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 no. Church, church, that's backwards. No, Jesus wants to do some fixing. But that fixing should lead to Him. That He would be central. That He would be glorified. That our relationship with Him would grow. And that is our only belonging. Oh, that Jesus would be glorified in our lives and He would be first. Not comforts. Not even that He would fix this so that we can get to that. No, just Him.
Because when we're found in Him, and we know Him, and He is in us, that's where we belong. That's where the insecurities fall aside. That's where our, our victory is lived out. That is where we have the confidence to live for Him even though the world is opposed to Him. And it's also, it's also where we are most secure. Amen? That is where it is. So I, I pray that you can say with a believing heart, and I mean in faith, that although we don't belong and that we have insecurities and that there is still this present time where we are awaiting something better. Oh, God has something for us now. And in fact, as He transforms us in closer relationship with Him, there is the place where we find that our longing for something more starts to subside. And all that wishing and hoping for something more turns into contentment where we can live trusting that although we don't fully understand and although something greater is ahead oh we can live in his peace now would you stand with me as we respond to this message that God has for us today would you stand with me in response to what he might be doing in your heart I pray that you'd open your heart church to what God is going to do in and through us and what He continues to do in the world as we await His return when He comes back and brings us to Himself. Heavenly Father, so grateful for what You have provided for us on the cross. We focus on what You've done for us. For no righteousness, no goodness within us is righteousness and goodness without it being Your righteousness. pray that we wouldn't let another moment pass in this, this fickle and fallen place. Where, where we wonder what our purpose is. Our purpose is you, Jesus. And sure, there are some details sometimes to be worked out in our lives, depending on which season we're in. But our purpose is you. There is no belonging anywhere else than in your presence. So I pray that your presence would transform our place. And that we would look to no greater thing or other home or other dwelling or security or anything. But rather you. We pray that, Lord, you would you would use us. You'd use us to to share with the world that is also longing for what they are missing. That is you, Jesus. So we pray. We pray that if you are not our hope, Lord, we would not let a moment pass without receiving you into our hearts. And if we're wayward right now, we're kind of doing our own thing. We've kind of distanced ourselves from you. I pray, Lord, that our response today would be to open our heart to 
you coming in and working and doing your perfect will in our lives. So Lord Jesus, we pray. All of this, in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for 